Iz and Tab and Chantel, who are all involved in the Swan Perth International in Film Festival, which aims to support women in filmmaking and shine a light on their stories. Um, Giz is the f- uh, festival director, Tab is the festival manager, and Chantel is the festival coordinator. In this episode, we're going to find out more about the festival, which is being held on from the 2nd to the 4th of December. It's three events at SAE in Northbridge and two events at the Backlog Backlot, a <laughs> private <laughs> cinema in the city. Tickets are live and I'll leave the link in the comments. We're also going to have a conversation around why events like this need to happen and the perspective of women in the film creative industry. Um, so, yeah, welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Um and yeah, tell me, like, how did this festival start? How did it begin? Awesome. Well, there's five of us in total that uh, run the festival, and myself and Casey, one of the girls who's not here today, she is our uh, events designer. So we were on set one day, and we were kind of going through the motions of submitting our own films to the festival circuit. And one of our guy friends tripped in, like, oh, like, why don't you submit to the Perth Women's Film Festival. And we were like, well, there isn't one. Um, it doesn't exist at the time. There have been, like, women-centered events that have kind of come through Perth, but we haven't actually had our own one um, in a very long time. The one we did have was actually run by an Eastern State company. Um, so there kind of was, like, a gap in the market there, and we just kind of really wanted to provide a space for women to network and meet with each other and to get filmmakers collaborating and just kind of really sharing, like, the female perspective in mm-hmm. filmmaking. Um, so, I guess, yeah, we just really wanted to kind of help make something like that happen. And there was a bit of, like, are we the right people to do this? Do we have the capability of this? And it's just kind of, when you have the opportunity, when you recognize there's, like, that need, especially in a place like Perth where we really want to encourage networking, um, like, why not just try and see mm-hmm. what happens? Mm-hmm. There was this, like solid month leading up to before we opened submissions. So we started we started planning the festival in December of last year. Wow. Uh, we opened up for submissions, I believe, late February or early March. February. Yeah, yeah. In February, we opened up for submissions. And there was the solid, like, you know, the month that leading up to submissions opening up that I was like, is anything going to happen of this? Is this actually going to, like, stick? And then our first month, I think we got 60 submissions. And it was, like, after that, we just knew, like, we can do this. You know, with that amount of support from the community that we were getting, we can push this to start happening. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. And it wasn't only... Perth films being submitted, it was films from around the world, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we had submissions from 40 countries. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) How did you, like, get the message out there? So we um, mainly operate through a site called Film Freeway. So Film Freeway, it's just kind of everyone knows it. It's very safe. Being a new festival, it just kind of made sense to go through a platform that people know and trust. Is it like a... um community online community or um no so it's actually a service um where film festivals all the major film festivals even really big ones you can submit through film freeway and um yeah if you just go on there you can make an account either as a filmmaker or as a festival and um there's a little bit of because all your money goes through there because all of your assets go through there there's a degree of um what's the word like um 
you know, like there's a bit of security for the yeah. filmmakers. Yeah. Safety, yeah. Um, safety, a little uh, accountability. That's yeah. it. There's a bit of accountability for the festivals going through Film Freeway. So it kind of provides a safety net. So because we're a first year festival, we need to establish that trust with people. Um, and Film Freeway kind of lets us do that. And they mm-hmm. do a lot of advertising on uh, our behalf uh, because they want so people you to like, submit. So um, you paid them amount and then they manage the marketing and everything yeah like so that. They, they would include us in um ne- uh like newsletters um okay. and as well as um well that the th- crazy thing is so you can search on film freeway for festivals via like categories mm-hmm. and you can look up women's film festivals in australia and i think there's only six so we're pretty easy to spot oh, okay. <laughs> um because i'm pretty sure we're like i think we're I, I might get the number wrong there but we're like one of six in australia mm. so it's fairly easy to spot us the second you start looking to your niches on mm-hmm. the festival which a lot of female uh, a lot of filmmakers know like you kind of start with your niches and then you kind of expand to the more general festivals mm. yeah okay that's really cool and um any countries in particular that maybe you're getting like a lot of entries from? We got a lot of, I mean, it's hard to say any country in particular. We definitely had a lot, mainly Australian ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but was, it, was it the majority from Perth or? No, actually, I would say like all over Australia, really. It's hard to pin it down to one state. Because like, I would say Queensland and WA were kind of similar, would you say? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah. New South Wales would be a big one because they're big on the film industry, like filming. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, but in terms of like countries, we had a lot of submissions from Germany and New Zealand Mm. and I would say, uh, and France. And I would say like, in terms of like quality of films, New Zealand is where it's at. Mm. New Zealand has some good stuff. Bit of a competitor there. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. What kind of, um, like genres have you been seeing like as for submissions? Yeah, so we have a lot of different categories. We actually have um, four different narrative categories. Um, and we also have a documentary category. So we kind of have a lot of different genres. Um, I guess, uh, and I because we have, um, so we have five different sessions that are going oh. on. And each one is kind of themed. So it depends on which night you're going to, what kind of genres you're going to see. Mm-hmm. Our opening night is called Dahlia. Um, mm-hmm. And Dahlia is kind of your darker, more obscure kind of content. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily all, um, you know, upsetting. Some of it's avant-garde. just weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, avant-garde, avant-garde. you know. Um, and that's got our, like, experimental film category winner and our... Um, like more serious topics. Okay. Then we have uh, Flamingo, which is our, we have an under-17s category because we oh, want to cool. encourage um, schools to get involved. The under-17s category is national, so it's Australia only. Mm. Um, just kind of encouraging like uh, young girls in high school and stuff to see what does the film industry look like. This is like their yeah. entry into it. Because I don't know if you guys feel the same, but as someone who you know went to... Primary school and then high school, I was in an arts program. There's very little to do with film and the media and, like, just the fact of how, like, the internet and media is, like, involved in every industry. It was surprising and I think um, would have been good to see, like, more that social media, uh, kind of film, and just general media influence in, like, primary school and high school. I think, like... 
you know, we're moving towards a world where everything is going to be more digital. So why are we not teaching high schoolers like how to live and be like prepared for that type of world? And like mm. getting, we got submissions from like the high schoolers and I was thinking about, it, I was like these like quality of films in high school is like are insane compared oh, really? to like what we were making in high school. I was like, wow, like they already kind of have like the whole like, what is it called? Like digital native stuff about them. Like they know what they're doing yeah. um, and having platforms to put them on. And then like they, they can come from high school and watch their films in a festival. Like that would be insane to be like in year nine and watch that happen. So yeah, yeah a great opportunity for them. Yeah. I think also like what might influence that is like a lot of teenagers have like iPhones or like smartphones with pretty good cameras and yeah. with uh, the introduction of TikTok and um, you know, when I was in high school, it was more, people on youtube doing like vlogging with like normal cameras but vlogging is like so time consuming so now you have tiktok which um, more people can do because they have a smartphone and they can make little vlogs or videos on tiktok and i've seen a lot of uh yeah people just make like mini films on tiktok so not only tiktok but just like in general like films get made through iphones now just because it's so easy um, to make films on your iPhone and not to have, not to have to buy really expensive gear, which is super cool. There's been like actually a few feature films that have done that, so it's very oh, interesting. For the submissions? Oh, not for these ones, but in just in general. I think there's one called um, Unsane, and mm-hmm. it was all filmed on an iPhone about a woman oh, wow. going insane. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds cool. I feel like it's also great for like you know being Australia and WA specifically. We're very much a documentary state mm-hmm. and like a documentary. Like Australia loves oh, the documentaries. Yeah. I would just say majority filmmakers okay. in Australia tend to be documentary orientated, okay. and that's the cool thing about like like uh, phones getting you know better quality mm. is that. You know, if you're somewhere and you see something that would be good for whatever you're working on, you know, you can just take your phone out and start recording, mm-hmm. not set up gear and like it looks really awkward mm-hmm. and you're trying to get a genuine response out of people. Um, and I was also going to say like um, another really great like local event, the WA Made Film Festival, they actually have a smartphone competition for oh. short films shot on smartphones. Okay, that's, that's super cool. Yeah. So it's just kind of cool seeing that like kind of stuff coming about and... Um, like it being more accessible to like young people and young filmmakers getting people excited about the future of industry you know Mm. and it's so important because like i feel like a lot of high in high school it's becoming the arts and media becoming more underfunded um (laughs) as time goes on like one of my friends was let go from the arts department recently from one of our schools high schools because they are cutting down the art department which is crazy. Oh, what yeah. happened? Sorry, she was cut. She was let go from her position because they were cutting down. Oh, the arts. so she had a she had a job in the in the arts, arts department, department at a, like at a high school in Perth. So they're just cutting yeah. down on it. So it's just really sad. And hopefully, us promoting it and influencing influencing it will allow kids to like push for more arts and more media yeah. in schools. I think just people, and I've actually talked about the cult, the creative culture in Perth. Just Perth are not valuing the arts and creativity enough. Yeah, um, I think it's such a misconception. <laughs> like, like it's a huge industry, and yeah, with the rise in social media and TikTok, and literally every, I don't think a business can really operate at its potential without media involved and, and some sort of ability to film something involved. It it should be like the government should be like pumping this industry. That's what I think. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think it's really cool to kind of see people pushing for more of that stuff, though. Like, hopefully, we'll get the studio at some point. <laughs> yeah. Also, a studio for 
The women's film first. Yeah. Oh, I mean, or? no, just like a um, like the film studio that was going to be built in. Oh Fremantle. yes, that's now in Malaga, I believe. They're building yeah. towards. It was proposed by Mark McGowan yeah. a couple of years ago to be in Fremantle. Yeah. And then it was axed or something like that, and now yeah. he's saying, "Oh, it's back on, back on, <laughs> but going to be in Malaga." So. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we hope it happens. I don't know. Is there anything do you think we can do to make it happen? Yeah, make it happen. I just find yeah. it so interesting. Like, I don't want. I want to know who like they talked to when they were like, "Oh, do you think Fremantle will work?" And like, who was a filmmaker who said, "Oh, probably not." And then they were went, yeah. "Oh, okay." And then to put it back in Malaga, like I already work in Malaga. That'd be great if we built it there. Um, but I think, you know, the general public kind of see it as a waste of money. I went through all the Facebook comments under the Mark McGowan post and I was like, wow, these people just don't get it. Like, I think it's something that we do need, but I do see that there'll be a lot of backlash if we do get it. But then mm. it's like these people write these comments, but then are the ones going home and turning on the TV, watching their Netflix <laughs> and watching their movies. Like, it's who do they think is creating all of this content? Like, you this know. doesn't just happen like that. I also feel like it's like, do people not understand literally every single part of your lives are centered around creative media. Every mm. single thing that you see, everything is be designed. This table, this microphone, like your phone, um, everything has to be advertised, everything is designed. Like we need creative spaces and creative yep. people. It's kind of how society runs. And yeah. everything we buy, every like everywhere you look, everything's what being advertised. Yeah, exactly. It's all being catered to you. What are your thoughts on, because I had a podcast with my friend Atley who's kind of involved in a lot of creative projects in Perth. Um, he runs Ape Shit, which is um, like Artist Initiative Perth. And he, I don't know if it's his quote, but he was saying um, scarcity cultivates creativity and because we're in like Perth, which is like we have a good economy, you know, it's kind of like funded by mining, which is not a very creative industry and we kind of just like mine stuff and then export it and we're not like creating things here while well, our our values aren't on creativity in the arts because we're getting like eh, we're already getting paid and i can just buy my like jet ski and land rover through <laughs> i and think like, yeah nailed it with the whole scarcity like that kind of is how this festival came about is there was no female filmmaker festival in perth so we were like well if there is nothing you've got to make mm. it yourself mm. and i think we see that a lot in perth whereas like if you go out and you're like, oh, I wanted like, I don't know, a female film festival or a female dance studio or like whatever it is that you kind of want and you look around and you're like, oh, it's not here. Like it's on us who live here to yep. make that happen mm. because like you said, no mining company is coming to be like, oh, I'll come help. Like, yeah, yeah. it's us ourselves doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, that's also why this sort of podcasting studio happened, the podcasting, because there wasn't anything here. So then I was like, oh, I'll create it. So I'll... It also tied into why people kind of moved overseas or to Melbourne because, yeah. like, oh, it's not happening here, so I'm going to move overseas. But you can, like, make it make it here and you can be, like, the founder. That is literally something that I say all the time. Everyone, every time I tell people, oh, I work in the film industry, people are like, there's a film industry here? And it's like, yes, there is. We just need people to stay here and cultivate it. Mm. And it's really exciting to see a lot of... Um, film things kind of moving here like WA is still very much a post-production state mm -hmm. in terms of a lot of like editing post-producing kind of happens here but like seeing a lot more actually being made here is so exciting I feel like we're in a really exciting time for cultivating industry here and making it happen especially post-covid it kind of feels like 
post-COVID, WA has just been so inspired to create mm. events. Like we're seeing a lot of new festivals. We're not the only one. A lot of new festivals are popping up. Mm. We're just the only like women's, yeah. you know, For sure. which is exciting. And I'm glad that we kind of get to make that space. But it's also just really cool to see more film spaces in general being made. Yeah, and we were talking before about different film projects that were made in Perth. Um, and Tab, I think you mentioned that, yes, the Stranger Things... Yeah. Part of the Stranger Things was shot here in Perth. Yeah, so one of the actors in like one of the recent seasons, um, he lived here or lives here. So I guess instead of bringing him to uh, Hollywood. Yeah, I put um, his name da- Dacre? Dacre Montgomery? I think it's like Dacre. Dacre, Dacre. Yeah. yeah, Montgomery. Um, he played the racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guy with the mullet. Yeah, instead of like, you know, bringing him over back to Hollywood, they filmed it here. Um, which I think is great, but also like I only like there was only a couple of Perth people who worked on it. I think they brought their own crew and cast here, mm. um, and I think you know if yeah we should definitely have more stuff here. But I think we should use the people that we have here as well for it. That'd be great. Yeah, I do actually. I have a mate who worked on it, and after it finished, she was she was like she was like I can finally talk about this now that mm. it's out because <laughs> she obviously had to sign an NDA, so yeah. she couldn't talk about it until the episode aired, and then she was like, Aww. I can finally talk about this. I worked <laughs> on it. Yeah, for sure. I think it's it's like a pretty big thing. Like it's it, it's a huge series, and for it to be filmed in Perth, that's pretty cool. But I totally agree that like I think. Even with a few other films, they they bring over their own crew, and their cast, crew from um, the US or from wherever instead of outsourcing in Perth. Like, do we have a um, like an agency or something that I'm sure we? Yeah, we do. do. Yeah. We have we lots do. of different agencies. Yeah. There's so many places here, <laughs> yeah. and it's like we just get forgotten about so quickly. Yeah. Everyone's like, "Oh, Perth, that little place." And the amount of times you can ask any filmmaker, like any creative way. You're like, oh, I'm going to film. I'm going into the industry, and they're like, so you're moving. Like, you're, you're moving? obviously yeah. you have to be moving to, right? to Melbourne, to, right? To Melbourne, to Sydney, Melbourne? right? You know how hard it is in Perth. There's no film industry in Perth, and it's like, yeah. why do you okay. think there isn't an industry in Perth? <laughs> I'm like, that's just what you think. Yeah, I also think like um, with trying to film like yeah the bigger projects here, it's always incredible when you see your friends' names in the credits. Like there's absolutely no better feeling than like your own mm. or seeing someone that like, you know, you work closely with, you see their names, their credits, stuff like ads, like recently, like the Lottery West ads, seeing people I've known in those and like, you'll just be watching a TV with like your friends, you're like, look, I know that person. And I just like, you know, to be able to have that experience more would be just incredible. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then there were some other ones that we were talking about as well the ship shipwreck hunters was that yeah yeah shipwreck hunters which just came out on disney plus that was uh, all about shipwrecks on the wa coast mm-hmm. um i watched uh the first episode they were like they found this shipwreck that was unidentified and the guy running it he's not connected to like he does he does shipwreck diving but mm-hmm. he's not like a historical person at yeah. all and he managed to find a record of like which ship it most likely was, and it's all about that. It was it was really interesting. Is that out? Yeah, yeah it's out. It's on it's on Disney Plus. Um, I believe it was post produced by Sandbox, which is um one of the few amazing like film production companies here in Perth. Okay, cool. Um, and it was really cool to be able to like see that on Disney Plus. Yeah, like for a sure. Perth made produced production. Wow. You know? 
on Disney Plus. That's so inspiring. Yeah. It had um the shipwreck gallery in it. And I don't know if anyone else in primary school was like took on like an excursion <laughs> to the shipwreck gallery. Mm-hmm. And then I remember like seeing it for the first time. And I was like, oh my God, like every child in Perth is going to be like, we've been there. We know where that is, which is really cool. Oh. That's me every time I see like a prominent Perth location in like an ad or something like Hyde Park. And I'm like, I know that place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. And I, I think like one of the reasons I have this podcast or my goals is like to try and bring industries that uh, might be going or that you find typically in the US or in Sydney or Melbourne like whether it's uh, creatives working with bigger brands like Nike or um, whatever like uh, recently I've seen a lot of creators working with Puma like just creating uh, content for Puma and that sort of thing which is like pretty cool to see that in Perth but also in the film industry yeah it'd be cool to see uh, if it's filmed in Perth, you use like film crews that yeah. are from Perth because I'm pretty sure it's probably more cost effective as well. Like, don't to fly a whole team over and yeah, yeah. Mm. Well that's <coughs> that's the amazing thing about uh, things like the the movie How to Please a Woman. And there's actually a t- yeah, which was filmed Com- like 100% WMA WA yep. crew. I know a lot of the people who worked on it. Um, it's just really cool to like see a film like that providing a platform for WA people and having such an amazing, like, crew behind it. Like, mm-hmm. genuinely just really passionate WA people. And it's such a funny film as well. Yeah. They had a theatrical release and everything. And then it got picked up by Mad Men and it's making the rounds. Oh, cool. How funny, though. One of the locations that they filmed had a police a woman and Chantelle and I, act, like, didn't even realise but we used the same house for some scenes. Oh, yeah. Which is crazy. Well, we oh, shot for Beauty Mark. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. That's it, yeah. So um, the lady was like, oh, we had another film here. Do you know that film, How to Please a Woman? I was like, oh, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah. So that was like, you meet people all the time. But that that little, like, crossover was really cool because I was like, tap. Can you believe this? We're in the big leagues now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's cool to be like surrounded by other films, like seeing that and having that moment where you're like, oh, like this is actually really cool, you know? And it also kind of communicates that, oh, maybe you got, you can do it too. You're a Perth creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now uh, you can make it happen. Um, which, not, yeah. And not just find success yeah. like here in Australia, but around the world. There's also a TV series which is shot up north called um, Mystery Road. And Mystery Road is doing really, really well. And that is like, that is also WA made, produced, mm-hmm. made, acted. And um, it's finding a lot of success in like Sweden randomly, <laughs> um, as well as like Australia and other European countries. Shout out Sweden. Shout out Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's that? Where's that available? Um, oh. ABC, what's, it, what's it called? Oh, yeah. okay. yeah. Mystery Road. Mystery Road, Road is really good. I and do on recommend. Some Sweden. And apparently channel. on some Sweden <laughs> platform. And apparently <laughs> Sweden. Um, Swedish films were good. We had a couple of Swedish um, submissions that were very interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on that topic of kind of seeing Perth uh, producers and filmmakers being successful and um, maybe being surrounded by them as well, inspiring you as a creative, I think that's also maybe the idea behind the Swan um, Film yeah. Festival as well because, um, yeah, like you I guess, yeah, there's less women in the film industry and... Yeah, I mean, we're pretty lucky. Um, There's obviously, like, spaces where women are more represented and less represented. Um, And I guess we just want to see a lot more women in 
large creative roles on set. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the first rule of our festival, the, the kind of rule about Yeah, tell us about the requirements. Yeah, to so, enter. like, we have a couple mm. of boring requirements, like duration and whatever, but our first rule, which is our rule about, like, representation, is um, three above-the-line roles, producer, director, writer. Two of them have to be occupied by a woman. It can be the same woman, because that, you know, one woman is still taking up that creative space. Mm-hmm. But... Um, it's just like we like to think of like the project as real estate and different roles will have different amounts of creative real estate over the project. And we just want the large real estate to be taken up by a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like the requirements. It's just two above, uh, two, two above the line roles occupied by a woman. Yeah. I have to run. Bye, guys. Oh, see you. <laughs> see you. Wait, let's just take a quick. Oh. Selfie because I didn't do <laughs> this. is going to be a live, live selfie. selfie. Live selfie. Live selfie. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Tab. Bye. Thanks, Tab. But yeah, so um, (coughs) um, that's the like requirement that kind of pertains to female representation. Mm -hmm. And like one of the main goals of the festival is like getting women to network with each other because part of film industry is like you have to network, you have Mm -hmm. to meet people. And we want to create like that opportunity for everybody, for filmmakers in Perth. I want to stress that like our festival is for everybody. Come and have a good time. All all ages to a degree. Some sessions maybe check the content. But um (laughs) (laughs) yeah, maybe don't bring your kids to Dahlia. Um, Those European (laughs) Yeah. There's a couple of interesting ones. Um but yeah, so like, um, I guess it's a it's a networking uh, opportunity for everybody. Sorry, <laughs> I'm on the back end of a cough. But um, um, we really want to encourage, especially women, to come and network because when women meet each other and they're going to talk about projects, we can, they can pull each other onto those projects and create job like job opportunities, especially for roles that are underrepresented. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I was so happy when we. Um, you know, um, the films have obviously already, like, gotten their awards and everything. Yeah. And uh, our winner of the Best Cinematography category, it was their, it was a female DOP for the film uh, Finding the Lighthouse, which I believe was a New Zealand film. And, uh, yeah, it's called Finding the Lighthouse. And the cinematographer who won, it's her second, like, Best Cinematography Award. She got one from Whoa. a Greek film festival as well. And I just think that's so cool because cinematography is actually, I believe it's the, the role that women are least represented in. Mm. So very male-dominated. Yeah, very male-dominated, like, kind of position. So to have this amazingly talented female filmmaker, like, cinematographer, get two, like, film festivals acknowledging that, I think that's just so amazing. And when I saw that, I was, like, very happy. Um, yeah, that's, that's really yeah. cool because, obviously, you know, just it's a testament to her talent. Yeah. Because two, like, different random <laughs> events, like, awarding her. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess we're hoping to just kind of provide more opportunities for women in Perth and get mm-hmm. them to, like, mm. meet, connect, and just get some creative collaboration happening. Yeah, I think that sort of thing is super important especially in like a place like Perth I think we need to be connected and um just meeting each other is so important and finding out what everyone does because I think that's how we can grow together and uh I know that sometimes there's this mindset of like even I heard the guys talking about in the last podcast which was um there might be this 
this mindset of like, oh, there's not enough for everyone. But I think if we're working together, that's kind of how we can bring these opportunities overseas. Well, I think that's one of the amazing things about the WA industry is I do feel like a win for one of us is a win for all of us. And it gets really celebrated. I mean, um, we uh, we have like not officially but individually we kind of have um we know the people who work on wa made film festival Mm -hmm. and it was um really great seeing them kind of excited about swan as well because like i was talking about uh i was talking about this with uh, i don't want to like name drag i was talking about this with matthew (laughs) eels who's the director of wa made um beginning of the year because my film was in wa made um and i was chatting with him and he was talking about like the film festivals in WA like supporting each other and everything mm. and it's like absolutely we do because we are all working together to create a film culture I don't view us as in competition I mean definitely not us because we're a first year film festival <laughs> but um I don't view us as in competition with the other film festivals in WA we are all working towards the same goal and we're mm. all excited about the same things and if anything seeing all these new events popping up for film in Perth it's like oh my goodness, that is so amazing. I'm so thankful that I get to be a part of that, mm. you know? And I really do think that we have some of the best creatives in the world here in Perth. It's just uh, opportunity-wise, it's kind of limited, but I think, yeah, through networking and, you know, conversation and I think um, collaboration, we can bring, you know, those opportunities yeah, for sure. Because Perth is only, Perth is only going to keep on growing and yeah. expanding and connecting. And uh, with the internet, like we're connected now more than ever, so mm-hmm. just more opportunities. And more, like we have, uh, you know, smartphones and stuff. And you, you said some, some people like you know, young people making films in their smartphones. So um, just more, yeah. There's more ability for people to create films and get into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And um, I think, you know, especially with um, Screen West providing a lot of opportunities with funding and stuff, it's really amazing seeing a lot of local films getting that funding, getting that support. Because I believe WA is the only state that gives funding to short films. Um, I could be wrong about that. but That I'm sounds correct. Because I, <laughs> I think other states give funding to features, but WA is the only state that gives funding to shorts, which I think is really great because short films are underrated. Uh, we are a short film festival. And um, short films are something I'm quite passionate about. I have watched way more short films mm-hmm. than feature films this year. I and think, I think the, other, um, the other funding bodies give TV series and web, mm. uh, web series are getting popular. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, so seeing some, I feel like curating that, I think it's really great that Screen West is curating that short film environment mm-hmm. because that's just helping people hone their craft and make better films in general so that by the time they are making features they're making really good ones and that's also helping like wa culture like not just make not just make films but make good films yeah exactly yeah i'm just i was trying to fact check uh <laughs> whether the, the the grant thing but i couldn't find that specifically but it said it looks like this came out this year which is the 7.7 million screen west grant so i assume that's how much they have and um yeah mark does seem to be (laughs) pushing (laughs) shout out marky mark (laughs) pushing the (laughs) film industry which is great um hopefully we'll you know see that production studio but um 
Yeah, shout out Mark. He says, WA is local screen industry, punches well above its weight, producing some incredible film and TV shows over the years. Amazing. Um, yeah, also Screen West is a key part of filmmaking industry. And yeah, so obviously Screen West, yeah, they seem yeah. to be finding a lot of stuff, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Screen West has their, um, their uh, <coughs> I don't know if they're still using this names. It used to be called um, the Elevate Funding. I believe they're still using Elevate. Elevate um, yeah. 30 and Elevate 70 now. Yeah, yeah. So Elevate 30, that's the like, that's the. 30,000. Yeah, you might know a bit more yeah. about this so than me. So Elevate 30,000 and then Elevate 70,000. And Elevate 30,000 is for um, if you're just – if you have a few – like if you're just an upcoming filmmaker um, and you're wanting to get funding. So that's a really good opportunity for people out of uni and have created at least one or two projects and are looking for opportunities. Um, the grant is closed now and I think they're picking finalists mm-hmm. soon – not sure where the timeline is but and then elevate 70 is for more established filmmakers like if you got elevate 30 yep. and you've had film um funding before so yeah so both of the opportunities are really great and hearing about like friends who've applied and everything it's really because you even if you don't get it you get to meet like screen west meet connections and um and the panel and everything so it's really it's a really sure. cool opportunity yeah i've got the uh web page here it says elevate 30 and elevate 70 close on the seventh, uh the 19th of september mm-hmm. yeah. um but they have like yeah so the uh, the whole initiative it opens yeah. every year so it's really i oh, think okay, it opens so in july yeah, yeah yeah it's a yearly thing and i think some of the fundings because they do have a couple of other ones as well i think they do every two years okay. so it kind of mm-hmm. depends on the projects because mm-hmm. i worked on um uh, what's called an Elevate Plus project yep. at the start of the year. Um, and I think that Elevate Plus is now every two years. Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. Um, which is just one of the fundings that they do. And um, do you guys have experience in applying for grants and that sort of thing yourselves? <laughs> <or>? um, um, <laughs> applying? Uh, well... Um, yeah, just like applying, because I haven't ever applied for a grant, I don't think, but maybe there's people listening that want to yeah. apply. You just fill out... A lot of forms. No, um, it's of more scary. Um, I actually applied for fund some funding. Um, it's very scary. I actually applied with TAP, um, and it was a very scary time. So I've made some films, and I come. Fr- I make very like angry feminist. Chantel is a kick ass amazing director, <laughs> by the way. Um, but I applied, and it's very scary as someone who is a perfectionist and goes. I don't feel ready, but having people push me and apply, it's very great. Um, I was shortlisted, so for a funding body, I, I think I can say that now. Um, but um, even like meeting, like I met so many people through that, like all the, the panel and everyone, they were very impressed and just like meeting Screen West people, meeting like women in film, it was so amazing to like have people listen to you and have people take in your ideas and be able to be mentored by um, uh, people. So that was really great. But it's definitely a more it's a ve- vigorous application. It's definitely um, like you don't get it unless you're a very like uh, like you have to be dedicated. You have to be yeah, passionate because there's different. Obviously, they want pretty much a lot of the funding bodies, not just Screen West, but probably any funding body you go to. They want kind of everything already set out. Um, it can vary from scripts to like budgeting wow. to a schedule. Like you have to have what you're going to use the money for. So if you're getting like thirty grand, ten grand, whatever it is, you need to 
to the cent kind of have a rough estimate of where that money is going because they're not going to just give you the money and be like here you go off on your (laughs) merry way you know um and then also just like because a lot of the time they're investing in you as like a filmmaker not just as like you're Mm. not just the film if that makes sense (laughs) yeah Yeah. so it's definitely an interesting process it's terrifying how long did it take you to um do the process i think i was stress eating and having my hair fall out a little bit but it was i think it took us two to three weeks because we had to film a video we had to do a director's statement a writer's statement director's supportive is that um, a written <laughs> statement or you're talking to... So you have to do a writer's statement, which is written, a director's statement, which is also written, and then a director's, um, like a like a video pitch as well about your story, oh, okay. and then a script, and then a budget, and then also director's supportive, which is like how you're going to direct, like what's your vision for the script, um, and then your producer has to do a producer statement and all of their budgeting and schedule and for them. Yeah. So it was very well, vigorous. So basically they want to know everything before you even <coughs> know if you're going to get it. Is there any like agencies or companies that guide you through this or did you just do it yourself um, or did you I, have any help? Yeah. So actually shout out to SE. Um, <laughs> um, lovely. One of our lecturers who is amazing, Jesse. Yes, he is. He actually got. Can I say he got the elevate? He got the yeah, elevate. Yeah, yeah, because it, it, it's West, all public. Um, it was his Elevate Plus film that I worked on at the start of the year, and he's actually currently in the um, uh, Elevate's like feature film mm. funding at the moment. His his he short got chosen. Yeah, yeah. So he got a seventy thousand dollar grant for his short film, and oh. now he's working towards the feature of the same like concept, which is cool. it was a re- it's a really amazing film. Yeah. But I'll let you keep talking. No, no, all good. Yeah. yeah. Um. So when I heard he had also gone through Screen West. I love going to him for script writing because he is also an amazing script writer and just a writer in general. So I went to him and he pretty much helped mentor me through the process, me and Tab, through the process of of applying because we just... I just felt so out of my element. So having his help and his guidance definitely helped. But if you're going into it, it's definitely hard to do by yourself. Mm. It's definitely a very hard... But Screen does provide, like, emails and people to contact if you're struggling. Yeah. So that's something I didn't do because I'm always also terrified of talking to someone being like, hey, I feel stupid, you know? <laughs> that's always terrifying to, like, admit that. But, um, yeah, they're really open about getting help from them if you need help through the application and all of that. So I, I wouldn't dissuade anyone from doing it. I think it's like... I think it's like if you're going to be... If you're going to be lazy about it or if you think it's going to be easy, it's not going to be easy. But if you're passionate about it Mm -hmm. and if you actually want to try for it, they're going to, like, support you because they're also passionate about industry. Mm. They also want to see an industry here. So it's like they're they're not going to say – they're going to help you. They're going to push you. But they're they're not going to make it easy because if it was easy, then then the product's not going to be as good. Yeah, exactly. But they do believe in, like, integrity and, like, if you're passionate. Um, And I really think that Perth will have some really passionate filmmakers, especially with the way the Swan is going. Um, We have very passionate women filmmakers. um, And I'm excited to see what happens next Mm. week. (laughs) Um, Just talking a bit about SA because they're one of the sponsors of... Yeah, so so, um, SAE is one of our main sponsors. They are also hosting three of our events. So they are hosting our opening night, which is Dahlia. They're hosting our under-17s category, uh, which is the Saturday morning session. And then Sunday morning is our Magenta Shorts, which is the lighter content um, narrative film. So if you're a little bit squeamish, Magenta is the one to go to. 
Oh, well, I want to know if I'd say there might be, there's a couple of adult themes. Uh, We do have trigger warnings and um, everything on our program, which you can find on our website. If I can drop it, www.swanwomaninfilmfestival.com.au. Um, the program is on there, which does like have descriptions of the film, so you can make the judgment call on mm-hmm. which session is going to be best for you. So yeah, SAE is hosting those three events, which is really amazing because it means that not only are we able to show these films, but we can also show people. Um, SAE is really great at hosting kind of creative environments, mm-hmm. and they're a university that's really we we all studied there, so we're look we're a little bit biased, but not I think biased. well <laughs> I do I do want to because I think there's a lot of uh, creative listeners, and I do want to because um, obviously they sound like they were a great place to learn about filmmaking, and they were really a- helpful. Absolutely, I think SAE is quite a small university. It's only one building in Northbridge because majority of what we did was so practical. They are not, like, there's some theory knowledge you obviously have to learn, especially in the early trimesters, but the later you go through your degree, so we all did bachelors, the later you go through your degree, the more you, like, it's mainly about the project that Mm. you make. It's so practical. And because it's a small university, you get really close with your cohort. Like, you kind of become friends with everyone in your your year group and also really close with your lecturers. So we're talking about Jesse. That's Jesse Laurie. Uh, There's also Tim Fox. So Tim Fox is the current um, head of film department at SAE. Mm -hmm. He is such an amazing man, and he has been so supportive of this festival um, he ha- he's the one who's been coordinating us to have it at SAE. He's been advocating for us to get certain, like, uh, we were going to have a couple of things that might, like, disrupt the space a bit, and he was advocating for us. Um, and it's lecturers like that who really, like, care. It's mm. not just a job to them. They're not just coming yeah. in, oh, I'm going to, like, boringly dribble take and then like dry list, voice yeah. take take this class off the list they actually are like they ask you about your project and they're creative as well so when you're talking about what your script you're working on what film you're working towards what you want to do they're asking you questions and they're giving you real solid advice like from a, that a creative would give to another creative yeah I feel like they're always keeping up to date every time I'm making a film someone's like how's that going I'm like how did you know about that and they're like oh <laughs> I I know things and I'm like awesome because they're just so helpful and it's like with SE you you kind of get in what you you kind of get out what you put in. Is that the right thing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like if you go in and you're lazy, you're mm. not gonna get a lot because out of a lot because like your cohort would totally understand if you're lazy. Like they will not want to work with you. And because it's such a communal communal thing, it's mm. kind of like you kind of notice the people who are not working as hard or people who are not that passionate or just doing this for like fun. And this is a lot of for a lot of us. We're very passionate about this. This is what this is what we want to make our jobs. Um, Giz is actually from a different try. Um, yeah. Do you want to speak about like how many women you had in your try? So I was one of two girls in my trimester. So not a lot of women. Uh, we were a very small trimester. We were a graduating class of fifteen. Um, only two of us were women. And uh, shout out to Indy. Um, we, we, we were, we, we, we like each other, we were friends, but we have like very con, um, conflicting roles. So we went often on projects together. So often it felt like, um, I, it often, I often did feel very lonely and I, I missed a connection with women to the point where when it came to my, my capstone, which is what we call it, like your final project of your bachelor, I got Chantelle involved. Chantelle was my producer and I got some other women on board and it was so nice to just work with women, women. <laughs> um, cause 
like, not that there's anything wrong with the guys in my cohort. I'm really close with them. A lot of them are my friends. They were actually, I was really lucky that even though I didn't yeah. have a lot of women in my cohort, I had a lot of really supportive, good men. Um, but um, I definitely did miss that female uh, connection. And um, Jesse actually, um, in, tri- in Tri-3, because SA is trimesters, not semesters. Mm-hmm. In Tri-3 is Jesse's class, which is short film. And um, one of the suggested short films to watch is this Pixar short called Yarny. Now, Yarny... Oh, no, no. Is it called Yarny? Or is it called... It's a Pixar short about a ball... Oh, no, it's called Pearl. It's called Pearl with a U. Pearl with a U. Um, And it is a Pixar short that I really recommend. It's strangely adult for a Pixar short. Because there is an adult joke in there. But it's uh, an animated short film about being a... um, about being a woman in a male-dominated workspace Mm -hmm. and how you can lose your femininity and not just your femininity, but your female, like... I feel like women know, like, when you see another woman in a workplace, it's especially like a male-dominated field, it's instant companionship. It's like, female, it's like a sense. Solidarity, you know? that's like the a word. Similar to, like, spidey sense, you know? Yeah. Spider-Man I think, spidey <laughs> sense. I think yeah. that's just normal, like, uh, human nature, like, even... Yeah. Like a connection. If, if a guy was in a room for women, it would, like, be the yeah, same thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. just kind of like when you notice that you two are the minority. Yeah, and, or yeah. and you relate yeah. to each other. And yeah. you relate to each other. So Pearl is a really great film about losing your femininity in order to fit in a male-dominated space. Mm. Which, look, not that there's anything wrong with masculinity. It's just kind of, it's important to hang on to who you are and Mm -hmm. not lose yourself in any space. Um, So I I watched that in Try 3 and it really stuck with me. And from then on, I feel like I tried to be as... I'm anyway a quite feminine person, but mm-hmm. just trying to be like as feminine as possible because I felt like I was losing. Or just touch. making sure nothing affects your feminine. Yeah, like yeah. like who I am because yeah. I do feel like I was trying to let go of certain parts of myself to fit in, mm. and that's never a good thing. I was also quite young at university. I started university as soon as I could, so I was seventeen as well. So um, still figuring out like <laughs> yeah. who you are. Exactly, and I didn't want to lose track of who I was to like get in with the guys and um sorry i'm just gonna have you because i want no, your no. face sort of in so no if you face th- yeah just you yeah can talk like you're that, all yeah. good um but yeah so um being like you know one of two girls and often feeling i think we both felt you know very um like alone it was just really um it, it could be very isolating at times and uh that was a film that like inspired me to like not lose my my female connection i'll say mm-hmm. um and that's the thing is like i think that i don't know whether that was his intention or not but it, jesse like put that there and i i've had conversations with jesse where he's talked about wanting like uh to help women on sae like find each other mm-hmm. and women on SAE encourage their collaboration um because i guess that's just the really cool thing about Jesse and some of the other lecturers at SAE and Tim, you know, they I do feel like they really care about the students. Mm. Um, and yeah, yeah. I, I just want to say, like, that's an example of a film. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it was it directed by. Um, I'm guessing so because I like actually maybe yes, a female I remember, writer or I I remember reading here. an article about it 
And yes, it was a female yeah, writer. Directed I, by Kristen Lester, screenplay Kristen Lester. Yeah, because I remember actually, I did read an article about it. She based it off of her experience when she first started working at Pixar. Because when she first started working at Pixar, it was a male-dominated mm. space. Mm-hmm. It is now a female-dominated space, oh, wow. I believe. Um, I, I read that article that. two years <laughs> ago. Um, but, um, um, and... Um, you know, she would be one of two or three women in a space. And so um, she had to kind of adapt and she felt like she lost part of herself trying to fit in. Mm -hmm. And so this film was like her experience um, because at the end of the film, Pearl, the ball of yarn, Mm. because in this this, uh, animated short, um, um, uh, women are represented as balls of yarn. Mm -hmm. Um, Another ball of yarn comes to the workforce and and, you... the Pearl has kind of lost her um, identity as a ball of yarn to try and fit in with uh, the men. And um, when this new ball of yarn comes and she sees how left out the other ball of yarn is, she kind of decides, no, like I need to be true to myself, not just for me, but for mm-hmm. like other other balls of yarn mm-hmm. or women in the same space. You know, you have to advocate. You're not just advocating for yourself. You're advocating for representation of women, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, I think, like, having... For you watching that film, and it's, you know, directed by (laughs) Kristen Lester, kind of gives the... That's why it's important to have, um, you know, female perspective in film, because then, you know, women like yourself watch it, and they feel inspired by it, and that's kind of another uh, reason why you're having, you know, this film vessel, because you want to have more females in yeah. you know, roles in film and just like the female perspective as well you know because it's natural that we want to showcase things that we relate to and project and projects and feelings that are familiar to us and there's a lot of I feel like very feminine experiences very women orientated experiences that don't get shown a lot in festivals and things. You're all good. Um, they don't get shown a lot in festivals and things just because when they are majority like male run, they don't relate to those films. They maybe don't understand the point of it. Um, you know, they maybe don't understand the point of it, or they don't understand the feeling that that film is trying to talk about. So that film doesn't get in. So I guess our film, uh, our film festival, is a space where there's experiences that we as women are going to understand that, you know, not saying that all men won't, but, you know, it's a very, like, in general, it would be a, like a female experience, you know? Mm-hmm. So to have that kind of ability that that is what we're about, not only, not only do you actually have a chance of getting in here, but we want to focus on it and celebrate it. Mm. Yeah, as a creative, I believe in diversity, I think it doesn't really matter what it is. If there's one perspective and it's like the dominating perspective, it, it's just n- it's never really good to have one yeah. perspective. You don't see the sides of yeah, exactly. whatever you're looking at. So, yeah. And I guess that's also kind of why we have um, female-led categories and non-female-led categories. So all of our films are created by women. But we have, uh, for example, narrative short uh, with female lead and just narrative short, because um, 
you know, if you have a female lead character, it kind of alludes to the fact that you're probably going to be talking about a very female experience or fem- or like just female story. Whereas if you don't have a female lead, it might mean that it is a woman behind the camera making that story, which we equally want to appreciate and represent. Um, they just don't have like a, a, a female cast member showing that story, you know, and that's more that's where it's more about highlighting the filmmaker rather than the... Well, I mean, still highlighting the story, but like this, in that case, we're kind of there to support the filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, I just want to add in to that. I think in the creative industry, I think we need diversity, we need perspectives, but also I don't think you're, I think it, like, if you're hiring someone for a project or you, you want somebody involved, it shouldn't matter what their gender is or what their yeah. race is or what their background is just like honestly it should just matter on their skills like are yeah. they fit for a role like that's yeah. it that's well that's but i think yes maybe in the film industry you know that's well everybody needs i guess i would put it this way it's like everybody needs experience and everybody needs opportunities in order to get to the point where they can um you know have skills and stuff like mm. that so Different fest- festivals will cater towards different things. There's a million different festivals with a million different niches and specifications. Our niche is, I guess, because we are female-orientated, we're going to have more women. We are an event for everybody. Everybody mm-hmm. can have a great time yep. and network. But um, because we're women-orientated, the hope is that we are encouraging more women to network and come into that space. So it's not so much isolating people so much as creating opportunities for niche individuals that we need to see more represented Mm -hmm. um because it's just kind of natural in industry that people go towards what is familiar and when a space has been dominated by a certain majority for Mm -hmm. a long period of time um they're going to hire people it's just they're going to hire what's familiar to them so by creating opportunities um I feel like we're we are creating those skilled individuals so that it stops mattering. Um, yeah. It stops mattering the fact that they are a woman. Yeah, for yeah. sure. No, I, I totally agree, and um, yeah, just reinforces the importance of events like this. And yeah, guys, it's it's um, everybody's welcome at this uh, film festival. You know, guys can come yeah. and support as well. So. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, like the festival is a, it's a, it's just a creative event. Mm-hmm. It, uh, yeah. You know, we have our morals and values, which where we show in our content and we show in our advertising and in how we are run. But the actual event, it's a fun time for everybody um, where anybody can come and just creatives can collaborate. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, what we really want it to be is a creative space. So maybe there's some like male creative listeners and they're thinking, well, you know, what's in it for me like to come to this uh, event? What would you say to them? Oh, well, it's the same thing. Like at the end of the day, we're trying to, to you know, create a networking space. Actually, there's a, a male f- filmmaker friend of ours who asked us um, whether he should come because he said, like, I don't want to take up space that could be for, like, a female filmmaker. And what I said to him is, no, like, no, like, you coming and supporting us and and coming as a filmmaker, you might meet a film a female filmmaker mm-hmm. in a role, in a capacity that you would need, and that's going to help us. Um, but also, like, 
it's a networking space in general. It's not yeah. like we're going to be like, okay, only women talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you are a man, like, I guess you can watch the films, but, like, don't come otherwise. Yeah. No. Like, it's it's a networking space for everybody. We want to encourage Perth film industry. Um, so, in that case, it's just like any other festival. Yeah. It's just the female it's a, highlight. It's a creative event for creative people who are, like, interested in film to come and meet each other. But... Um, kind of reason for the event is you know empowering more women and supporting women in film yeah exactly so yeah yeah, everybody welcome and come network and meet creative people yeah just under a banner like-minded people yeah yeah like-minded people just under a banner of appreciating female-made films because that's what we're going to watch for sure um chantelle do you want to add anything to that um i would just say if you're a male creative just it's about just supporting like obviously you're welcome to come but under the under the guise of like supporting and understanding why we're making this and that there's going to be women there and that you have to be like okay with that you know (laughs) know, so I don't know what who's listening do you know what I mean just like being okay with like like being able to network and be like yes these are fantastic women creatives in the industry that I could like bring onto my crews and that I could also be a part of and also Just make think of the pe- people there yeah as creatives with skills and you can network that's with them that's all we want that's literally all we want i you know i was talking with someone um recently about um what it like i i, I was talking with um a male creative about like how do i write like a a good female character because um you know there's a whole thing about like men writing women wrong and I think it actually comes from, there's a, a term called um, um, othering. Misogyny. No. <laughs> no, but there's a term called othering, which can be applied to anything. It's essentially just treating another human being as other, you know? Mm. So um, the thing with, like, uh, so he was asking me, how do I, as, like, a man, write a female character good? And I, I said to him, like, just don't write a female character, write a person. Because at the end of the day, we're all people. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the kind of, that's the um, like designation that we want to avoid, you know, mm. I- in terms of like story writing mm. and um, networking at general events is um, just stop thinking of us as men and women. And actually we're just people, we're mm. just creatives mm. collaborating together. What's your yeah. gender? Male, female, creative, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I guess, um, yeah, so at the end of the day, I feel like there's a lot of, um, it, it's 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 a case of you're talking to someone, and I think I can tell when they're talking to me as a woman and mm. not as a person. So easy to tell. It's little things. It's little things and like that they just make you feel different. So yeah. um uh like I mentioned I was quite isolated in my cohort mm-hmm. as um one of two girls. And there was one person who would always get the other he he would stop the other guys from talking about certain topics and stuff um if he deemed them like inappropriate for in front of me and all it did was make the guys not connect with me because they felt like they had to watch their language use around me and I didn't care because I'm a person like I like the occasional 12 year old joke you know um I have a crude sense of humor 
but it, he would try and like shut down those conversations when I was there because he wanted to treat me as a lady. Um, when I would have rather just kind of been in on the joke, like if it was mm. genuinely a disgusting thing that you shouldn't joke about, fair enough. But when it's just like talking about adult topics, like I'm an adult, yeah. I can also engage in that conversation. And so him shutting them down, it was othering me from the men in that group, mm. um, which in the you know pearl analogy was you know it was just making me feel more like disconnected mm-hmm. from from those people they felt like they had to watch themselves around me was it like a conversation to do with uh like film and creative no it was it was it was it was just like <coughs> a friendly conversation between the cohort because like i said we were, were all like quite close and stuff, they were just it? joking and you know they would joke I, I think it was like because he, he did it more than once mm. um it was whenever they were joking about like sexual stuff mm. or or things like that and not in a crude way yeah. but just in like a in a way that young adults joke about yeah, it yeah. you know um nothing disgusting um but yeah and he would just try and shut down those conversations around me because like I'm a woman and you don't talk about that in front of a lady mm. <laughs> it just <laughs> I guess I can see where he's coming from but maybe it was just like a poor judge of character for you like if he like if he knew you and he'd be like oh yeah she's chill to like just I was also like she's also know. like a, a consensual human being that yeah. can be asked hey Giz are you cool with that like mm. are you like or be like hey um like yeah like mm. you know not make the decision for you yeah he's yeah. no knight in shining armor <laughs> is what we're trying to say yeah and um you know I am also an adult. If I'm in a conversation, which I think is another thing with women in industry, is that we often get infantized, babyfied, like, babyfied. <laughs> we get treated like like it doesn't. Yeah, just help. tell me, tell yeah. me everything that you guys experience um, uh, that maybe <laughs> made you made you want to have this this film festival in general. Like, ha- uh, <laughs> well, like all the negative things. Just, I, <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, I guess it's like. It is like... Babyfied. Tell me what is, what is babyfied. So I guess a lot of the time... <laughs> sh- uh, I'll, I'll share my few stories, then Chantel yeah. can share some, but I guess it's just a lot of the time I'll find there'll be me and there'll be a peer the like same age as me and he will be like treated with so much respect that I just won't get, especially since my main role in industry is a producer, which is like... a It's a management mm. role. Sorry. Mm. It is a management role. I am in charge of people frequently and I am... Because I started in industry so young, sorry, I keep that's doing right. that. I've like hit this a billion <laughs> times, so that's cool. Um, because I started in industry so young, I was seventeen. Um, I was frequently in charge of people older than me, and um, I and fair enough that sometimes people didn't like that. But I would find that guys the same age as me would not get that treatment. Like they had a problem being told what to do by a girl younger than them. But if it's a guy younger than them, they're like, oh yeah, he's an adult. Like I just wouldn't get treated as an adult. And I wasn't 17 for very long. I turned Mm. 18 not long after I started. You're only 17 for a year. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I think I was only 17 for four months Mm. that I was studying. Um, But but yeah, like I would just find that 18-year-old guys straight out of high school, it's like, yeah, you can be a director and I'm going to respect you and what you say. And I remember mm. I was working on a film once and I was co-producing with one of my good friends who is a really 
Um, he was actually the guy who was in the initial conversation that um, made Swan happen. Um, so he's a really great guy and we were co-producing together and we were working with this really difficult filmmaker. Um, I wouldn't say his role. Named um, <laughs> I wouldn't even say his role. But uh, we were working with this difficult filmmaker and now we were co-producing but I was the lead producer because I had more producing experience than, than my friend. And um, he, I was kind of training him up in the position. So um, this filmmaker, I would, tell, I would tell him the plan and tell him what we were doing over and over mm. and over again. And he would fight with me and he would disagree with me. And then I would just call my friend, his name's Luke. I would call Luke and I would be like, hey, Luke, can you um, come help me out? Luke would be like, okay. And I was like, this is what this person is complaining about. And Luke would be like, okay. And he would go talk to this filmmaker. And Luke would be like, Giz tells me you're having a problem with this. Um, this is what we're doing. And Luke would say the exact same thing that I said, word for word. And mm. this guy would be like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. We'll do that. Yeah. Yeah, well, that yeah, just sounds... Uh, it's like if you have a creative role, like that's your role. Like if you're the director, you're the director. It doesn't matter what gender you are, what background you have. That's your label so i should just be able to be respected for my position yeah. regardless of anything 100%. else or i should i should be judged for my craft and not for like anything else you know and i don't think i deserve that i, I do want to say like outside of maybe the creative feel that you're like in the real world or whatever like if there's an elderly person i'm going to treat that person different from maybe if there's like a teenager so and i think because those people are different i think men and women um are we're different so I'd, i would treat maybe a woman like also her age also depends on how i treat her or a man well, like i would say there's a difference between accommodation and discrimination mm -hmm. you know accommodation is different um there's this concept of equality versus equity you know um we all have different needs that are going to be met differently. And you're going to, you know, when you're talking to an elderly person or you're working with an elderly person, of course you're going to treat them differently. They have different needs. But if you start making, like, treating them badly or disrespecting them for being an elderly person, that's different, you know? I would say attitude and accommodation are, like, that's a different thing, I would what is say. Was it attitude and accommodation or...? Uh, so attitude and accommodation, I would say, is just treating, is treating someone based on who they are. Like an elderly person, you might not give them tasks where they'll carry heavy oh, things, okay, you know? Because yep. that's like considering the fact that they are an elderly person. Mm. Whereas if you were like, oh, I hate old people, so I'm working with this elderly person, so I'm going to be super oh, mean like to them. it's like prejudice having prejudice. Prejudice, yeah. So prejudice versus, prejudice versus discernment. And of know? course you can ask the elderly person, like, are you comfortable with carrying exactly. this object? If yes, just let them. And how respectful and is that? And that's on them if... You know, something happens, exactly. but it's, it's their choice, yeah. Yeah, so that's the thing is you're being respectful towards them. But, yeah, I know that um, Chantel has had some really fun times on set with um, <laughs> kind of... Yes, um, I, I think it's interesting. Um, I've had my fair share of misogynistic men on set, and I like to believe that now I don't take shit from many men. Um, and I'm very, and that's why I create a lot of my very female-based stories um, as a writer and director. And I don't really have many men on my crews now. Mm -hmm. So that's just how things are. And obviously, I'm not like I get like 
trying to push them away, but it's just how things have played out. Um, we've had situations where obviously I'm a writer director, but I've produced for men and that has always been a fun time. And we normally when we get together, we always talk about experiences because it's always like, have you worked with this person? Are they good? Like, are they going to listen to me? Because most of the time they go, yep, yeah, I'm going to listen to you. Like we sign a contract and everything and then no listening, no communication. There's nothing there. Um, and my partner also works in film and he's a man and I always tell him and he is so like he's trying his hardest to like because they will listen to him but not listen to me and I have like the highest position like producer is seen as like the highest right you're like you're the top shit and then everyone below you even the director has to go through you because you're looking after budget the scheduling actors casting you're looking after pre-production you are the reason things are moving along like the time, the timeline is moving um, and it can be very frustrating when men um, being gaslit yeah. a lot of, a lot of <laughs> oh the time um, or being told that, are you really letting your feelings and your emotions get into this? And I'm like, I'm literally being so logical about this. I cannot explain to you how logical I'm being or when I'm like, especially when I become cold, I'm cutting people off when I'm saying, okay, this is not okay. I'm not doing this anymore. They say, wow, you're letting your feelings getting in the way of it and I'm like I'm not letting my feelings you're just a bad person to work with like you're not listening you to can, me you yeah. can find someone else like you can never as a woman like it feels like you can never say something in the right tone of voice in the right like way mm-hmm. for people to actually take you seriously sometimes I have had a cinematographer scream in my face like calm down and all I was thinking at the time was I literally feel so calm like there's no <laughs> emotion yeah. I am literally just in work mode and he yelled at me <laughs> Yeah. And I was so confused. I was like, I am calm. <laughs> yeah, like, I just think if I was, um, you know, working in the film industry, like, and there's the director, like, it, yeah, it literally doesn't matter the gender or male, female, whatever. It's like, that's the director. Like, you just, you do what they say. And exactly. if, like, you can, you can quit. You have the ability to quit. But, like, this is the team you're working with. That's the director. So, yeah, that yeah. would be... Very frustrating. I can see that. Yeah. And um I guess that's just But I hope <laughs> I hope that doesn't I hope I hope that doesn't turn you off like hiring men on your team. Like obviously you can have these past experiences that like mm-hmm. but then you don't wanna turn it into something that's a repeat of what men do like if you know what I mean like honestly you don't I have don't mind no, <laughs> no 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 um what I make is quite angry and feminist in the first place so like um there's a lot of men who are put off by my stuff in the first place so women tend to gravitate gravitate towards me and my projects um, I if yeah. I can um I hope I, th- I think I've said this to you before, so I no, hope we'll be attractive. Yeah, no. But like, yeah. Sorry. So, so Chantel makes Chantel is such an amazing writer director, and mm-hmm. she makes <laughs> really, <laughs> and she makes Guys really, we'll um, <laughs> and she makes. Um, uh, I've worked on a couple of her films as well as just kind of been around them because we have the same like friends and networking group, um, and um, I think a lot of Chantel's films are so amazing because when I watch them, I feel so seen. I feel like there's this mm-hmm. experience of, you know, and, and, and anyone can have this experience when watching a certain film. And with Chantel's films especially, I feel like so seen as a woman. Like uh, my, my experiences feel so validated. Mm-hmm. And there was uh, one of Chantel's films won an award at WA Made. And I'm wow. not gonna. And I'm this not gonna about me though. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the Chantel podcast. <laughs> this is the Chantel podcast now. And 
I I was I was actually um I was don't take this the wrong way. I was surprised that it won solely because it was such a female story yeah. that I thought there is n- I was thinking in my head like I've been to film festivals before mm-hmm. and I was thinking in my head there's no way that this is going because it was an audience choice award. I was like are men going to vote for this cuz do they understand just how real of an experience this yeah. is for women? Cuz I guarantee every woman in that audience It was about like sexual film. assault and consent and where the line is and like how mm. consent can be taken away at any time. And sometimes when I was doing the actual film telling men about it, a lot of them had a visceral reaction being like, "But that's not all men." And I was like, "Well, if you have a problem, then you're not getting it." I was like, <laughs> "If you're already saying that's not all men, obviously that's not what I'm going for. Obviously, you know what I mean. But if you have like if the shoe fits, wear it." Like yeah. that's kind of the idea. And- there was a part in the film where men were making it was like a woman like watching and experiencing men making really inappropriate sexist jokes. Yeah. And I am I am I ro- am I right that like some people were laughing at those jokes as if they were actual jokes. And it's like, do you realize when you laugh at those jokes, you're making all the women in your life feel awful? Yeah. Um, it's just like... Is this at the premiere? No, so the- this is during the film. So like our protagonist main character, a woman, is at a bar and she's having a drink and she's watching different people in the bar and we get close-ups of what, what they're... Um, the people and what they're saying, like look little snippets of their conversation. Do we have this film on hard drive, by the way? No, yeah, <laughs> this, one, this one we Fair. don't. No, unfortunately, I didn't put it into my own festival. That would be in a bit. <laughs> we we do have oh. a we do have a rule against um, our own films in the festival, oh, okay. just because that would be a little bit pretentious. Um, but it will it will be coming out on YouTube at some point. Okay. Um, I'll I'll release it. It's been a while since it's called me. Put the channel yeah. down. <laughs> but um, yeah, so little snippets about different scenarios. So like a man, um, like having a relationship with um his mistress and his wife is on the phone, um, and that whole situation. And then a bunch of like workmen, um, talking about a woman at the office. And like these conversations happen, and normally like. Sometimes you overhear them, but it's like if you say anything, then you're overreacting. But then if you don't say anything, then it's like, are you complicit in this? And every time, like I say something all the time now, I am that angry person that says something that over like the dramatic person. But I don't like it doesn't matter to me. Um, But hearing those, but because I've seen the outcomes of it and the, the idea of the violence against women, especially male violence against women, the systemic problems because of it, I'm very passionate about male violence against women and just like how much it's so normalized and seen as like so normal especially in film as well where like female rape I'm not I'm I'm not sure if I can talk about but like female rape and like I think YouTube might say grape grape um you, you get what I mean is seen like is normalized like female pain is so normalized so what I do in my films is I practice a lot of female rage in my films and a lot of catharsis for women to be seen which I think is really great because something that um something that I'm really tired of seeing in media is um a term fridging I don't know if don't know if fridging yeah so fridging um refers to um when you um when a woman is um typically a mother wife daughter is graphically killed injured hurt in some way it can't the the term comes from a video game in which a character's wife is literally cut up and put in a fridge um and is it a dictionary term or is it a uh it's a it's a slang term slang term term. so um 
So fridging refers to like, so yeah, so when a, a woman is mutilated and then a male character in their life kind of seeks revenge because they're upset that this happened to Something their wife to or daughter. Oh, okay. It's okay. Thank right. you so much for no coming worries. on. No worries. Enjoy the rest. We'll, ju- we'll just keep chatting. Yeah, yeah go for it. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, so fridging refers to when um, yeah, a female character is like mutilated and then um, a male character gets revenge for them. So Chantel's films are really great because it's kind of about a female like um, defending themselves and um, and getting justice for themselves mm-hmm. rather than someone else doing that on their behalf and perpetuating this kind of princess mentality mm-hmm. of. Um, needing someone to rescue them. Okay. Um, and, yeah, that got voted... Did it won an award, you it said? Won, uh, so Chantal's film won the Audience Choice Award at WA Made um, uh, this, this year. Yeah, okay. I think, uh, yeah, one... Yeah, that's another example of why it's important to show the female perspective. And I think film is, like, an amazing... Film, film in general is just an amazing way to communicate ideas and, like, yeah, show perspectives. Yeah. Um, and also, again, I don't think the film should be the film should be judged on its creativity. Yeah, basically. Yeah, like exactly. Involved, it shouldn't be judged on whether it's like uh, male oriented or female oriented or whatever. It's just about like, mm. was it a good film? Yeah, exactly. Was exactly. it did it communicate the idea as well and in a creative way? Exactly. And yeah, I I think um, yeah, it's great that it, it won that award. Yeah, <coughs> for sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're very excited for the festival next week and, like, so we're hopefully we'll get, like, a lot of people coming and a lot of people just generating some conversation about um, Perth Media and women in filmmaking and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So can you just um, run through again when uh, the events are and what can people expect when they come, come to the event? So, like, you bought your ticket, which you can um, find, you know, from the link below on your the, uh yeah, so we, we uh, everything is on the website, www.swanwomeninfilmfestival.com.au uh, or if you go to our social media, so mm-hmm. that's Swan Perth International Women in Film Festival. Um, you'll find your link for the ticket? You'll, you'll find links for everything. We've got link trees, everything is connected. I tried to keep everything very... Um, my dad works in web tech, so oh, I'm, cool. very, I'm a big fan of uh, everything being very easy to flow through mm-hmm. um so we're selling tickets through humanitics which actually our uh, ticketing company is an affiliate of ours because they are the world's only not-for-profit ticketing company um all of their profit from the tickets goes towards helping children in need okay um so yeah tickets so we have um once you have your ticket you can get it from humanitics um we um uh, Friday, uh, the 2nd of December is our opening night. That is our Dahlia event, which will be at SAE from 6 to 9 p.m. Um, you can come. There's how many, be how many films will be? How many films will be shown? Roughly 10 at each uh, at each event. Um, and there will be in one uh, uh, hour and a half long session. Mm-hmm. So you, uh, when people arrive, there'll be some networking yep. time. Drinks uh, and... Yeah, there'll be... Um, on opening night, we will have some free wine. Um, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. opening night, there will be some wine and uh, popcorn available, and uh, as well as some cupcakes from one of our sponsors. Ooh, um, okay, now... <laughs> now you're interested. <laughs> um, and then you uh, can c- network for a while, and then we're going to have the screening 
and then there'll be some networking time after as well. Then um, our weekend events, our morning ones are both 12 till 3, and our evening ones are 6 till 9. And the... Um, Venues are five minutes away from each other, so it's kind of designed that you can go to the morning one, go have some food for lunch, and then come back to the evening one. Okay. Um, so our morning events on the weekend are both at SAE, and then our evening events are at the back lot. Um, our but, morning but the, the opening event is at SAE. Is at SAE yep. on the Friday night, yep. yeah. Um, so then um, Saturday morning is Flamingo, which is the under-17s category, Similar, same kind of run through, except without the wine and cupcakes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, um, then um, our Saturday evening event is our Fuchsia documentary session, which is a really good one. Oh, that's um, interesting. The documentary, the documentary category had so many amazing mm. films. It, that was a really hard one to crack <gasps> down on. And um, genuinely, there's some really good stuff showing there. Um, that's going to be at the back lot from 6 till 9 p.m. And the back lot events, um, it's a slightly more exclusive venue um, and you do get a free pretzel from um, the company Pretzel. Um, uh, you, there will be a free pretzel as well as a Love bar a available. Um, a bo- the, that bar is not free though. Sorry, the free, the free wine is only on opening night. Um, and then um, Sunday morning is our magenta shorts category, which, as I said, is our regular narrative mm-hmm. shorts, uh, lighter contents. And then um, Saturday, Sunday evening is back at the back lot for our champagne night. Champagne is selling out fast, and that is. I our have to ask: Is do you buy one ticket and you go to everything, or no, you just each, buy one each event is ticketed? Okay. Each event is ticketed, and um, SAE is one price, and back lot is a different price. Yeah. Um, and yeah, at our champagne night, that'll be the screening of all of the winners from our festival. So champagne will be a re-screening of the best films from okay. the entire festival. Wow, that sounds like a lot of fun and very interesting. And uh, yeah, if you listen to this as a creative, I think you should come down and network and meet cool creative people and see the films from all around the world. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited. Thank yep. you so much for coming on the show and just letting everyone know about the festival and also the i've found um the other conversations super insightful so <laughs> hopefully we can have another uh podcast again at some point definitely for sure thank you for having us cool um yeah check check all the links in uh the description and uh, uh follow these guys on instagram as well and we'll be posting stuff for the festival which is gonna be from the second to the fourth Yes, very exciting. Thank you.